Welcome to Discipleship Conversations, a Mission Alive podcast with Jeremy Hoover and Stephen Carazel. Welcome, friends, to Discipleship Conversations. Today, we have an exciting conversation with Jackie King. Jackie lives in Denton, Texas, and is involved in helping to lead and shape the prayer ministry at the Singing Oaks Church of Christ. Jackie is also a good friend of the podcast co-host, Stephen Carousel. And Stephen, I believe you've said that Jackie has been quite helpful in helping you learn how to think differently about prayer, and she's helped you grow. Yeah, and I say this in the conversation, uh, if someone's has a discipleship uh, cohort experience uh, recent with the new material. Uh, I write an article and refer to someone who taught me a lot about prayer. And uh, she's the one that really connected me to contemp- contemplative prayer as a, as more of a habit practice. I learned about it in a graduate class, but she's the one that really got me to take it out of the graduate class into my life. And so known her for a long time and she's been really helpful. Uh, I just, I really like talking to her about prayer. Uh, She's so insightful. One of the things that she said today that really stood out to me is Jesus is my friend Mm -hmm. and something that she learned long ago as a kid. She'll talk about that. But then at the end, she kind of says it again, that Christ, we forget that Christ is our friend. And I, that's just an important aspect uh, of a closeness. Uh, we, we recognize this Jesus as a savior. And uh, that puts him big over our lives. But this role of friend uh, brings him near to us as a way of approaching uh, God in prayer. And that was really uh, something today that that soaked into me today. Yeah, there was just a lot of really good content that she shared that I think anybody listening to this will be able to make a list of four or five or six things that, that they can think about or do that would help them pray more. One of the things that stuck with me. It's something she shared early on. She almost shared it in an off the cuff way, but she talks about the experience of the Israelites at the Red Sea. And she went into, I don't want to spoil it. She went into so much depth about a personal application of the significance of that historical event that I'm still thinking about it and trying to process the depth of, of what she shared there. And so I'm just going to leave that as a trail for our listeners to pay attention to appreciate what you shared as well. And very thankful to Jackie that she joined us on this episode. Let's go ahead and get into the conversation. Well, we're here today with uh, a friend of mine, a longtime friend of mine, Jackie King, uh, Jackie is a, uh, let's see, I haven't, we went to church together for 14 years, uh, some time ago, and, uh, but it's been 12 years since I went to church there and had that close time with her. Uh, And so I'll just say, hello, Jackie, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. 
So glad that you are joining us in this conversation today. Thank you, Sarah. I'm very honored to be here. Good. Uh, so I guess just a little bit of why you're, what we're going to be talking about today and why you're here. So if you're a participant in the uh, discipleship cohort, if you've, uh, as a as a listener out there, have participated in the discipleship cohorts, uh, you will have read an article that I wrote about prayer. And I reference a person who taught me about uh, centering prayer. I'm not sure I said it centering, but just a contemplative prayer. And this is the, this is the person that I refer to in that article. Uh, I was a youth minister for a long time at Singing Oaks. And, and Jackie and I were friends during that time, but it wasn't until I transitioned to, uh, to adult ministry, spiritual formation as a focus, that we connected a little bit uh, a little more deeply with um, through prayer because I started a couple of I did a couple we did a couple of prayer retreats one day prayer retreats which you led for us Jackie. Right. Uh, what do you remember about those prayer retreats? Well, they were really interesting and fun, and uh, I got into that after I had attended the Academy of Spiritual Formation and had learned about Lecto Divina and wanted to share that experience um, and also help people to learn about where they could use that in their own prayer life. So um, we talked about it and made the suggestion that we try having these retreats and it worked out I thought pretty well I thought we did three I can't remember exactly it was two or three and I I remember really enjoying them I had learned about some of the stuff in a graduate class but it was those retreats and the conversations we had that kind of made it more real and made it more of a a practice uh so what was that 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 changed my that, prayer life for my body. gave me a lot more depth. Well, let's let's talk about that a little bit, just by way of telling us a little bit about who you are. Uh, what was prayer? You know, maybe tell us a little bit about who you are and how prayer shifted for you during that time. Because I think I remember even before that you were you kind of led or kind of led the prayer ministry before so, yeah. so what okay. what got you interested in prayer that way well i think for me in, in a lot of respects as a child i had a lot of childhood illness and had to spend a lot of time alone and in that i developed a great friendship with Jesus, that was, and spent a lot of time talking with him, you know, later learned that was prayer in itself. Um, I think in terms of our time together, as I said, I had the opportunity in the early 2000s to do a two-year program 
uh, to the upper room, which was their academy for spiritual formation. And when I went there, I was had not ever heard of Recto Divina, but uh, experiencing that there and learn and taking it on and seeing what a difference it made in my own prayer life, I had to share it. And so uh, one of the first things I did afterwards was I had a full day retreat for the, all the women at our church. Um, and then out of that, we get kind of did the spinoffs of doing other shorter kind of morning um, uh, events off campus. Yeah. What, what was, what would you say the shift was for you? Because I would say even the way you've just talked about prayer, learning from a child and conversations with Jesus, that's a pretty big shift for a lot of people. Uh, anyway, I mean, that a lot of people don't even start there. You started there and then you said that this prayer, this time in the spiritual formation uh, uh, certificate uh, kind of uh, that program shifted your prayer, your thinking about prayer and your experience with prayer even more. So can you explain that shift a little bit? I think it helped me to shift from just what was me personally and my own and being able to share. Because that was not something that was easy for me to do. And so it enabled me to, uh, to share an experience that deepened my prayer life. It connected me more with scripture uh, and praying scripture, which I had always heard people talk about how they prayed scripture. And I thought, okay. That sounds interesting, but what was it? And so that was one thing that I really learned more about. And just said, it just, it gave me an even different way of having my daily conversations, if you will, or uh, changed my prayer life. Um, I, I think it just gave me a greater depth. So, before that uh, class experience, uh, you didn't, you had, so it, it, you kind of said it gave you a, a way to talk about it with other people. Right. And it I think, I, yeah, I think I remember really that shift. Your practice was, I know, something that went on regularly, but being able to spread it out even more and, and share that as a teacher uh, was kind of changed at that moment, I guess, if I put that together. Well, again, I think it had to do as much to not only depth, give me greater depth of just praying, but also gave me a lot greater depth in terms of scripture, understanding, and how that really connected, how the two, you know, it wasn't just prayer and scripture. It was how you put it together. Hmm. And that, that was probably the biggest change for me. Wasn't you, just a matter of worship here, and these were two separate things. It was how they fit together. Can you give us an example of, of that? 
I think for me, it was a matter of having experiences sometimes of uh, reading or having something that was bothering me, if you will, or deep on my heart. It was a question or just something I was going through. And sitting down with my morning devotional time and, you know, opening a, a, a page and sometimes by accident even, and here was a scripture that just, oh, there it was. And it was like an answer. An answer, it was hearing God answer a need that just still gives me goosebumps to think about it. And, uh, and that was that's a little overwhelming at times. But um, so that's that's the best way I can tell you in terms of how it was of, of having a need and of and trying to think about it. Or how am I going to pray about this? Or what do I need to know? And getting that answer, you know, when you get an answer to prayer, that because I think so often we think God doesn't hear us. And so then when he really speaks to our heart, there it is. Yeah. I've got a question, Jackie, okay. um, that it kind of ties in with a struggle that I had when I was learning about Lectio Divina. And, and that is that in our heritage, we tended to treat the Bible very rationally and with a lot of logic. And the idea of trying to say, uh, I'm going to, to listen for what God is saying to me was such a different mindset that I struggled with it for probably a good year or two. The, I, I'm, I, I'm curious, did you have any similar struggles? Oh, what was yeah. that process that like was, for you? And go back to going to, the, going to the academy. One of the reasons for, that I had for going was it was like, I had started, I was really not satisfied with my Bible reading. It was like I caught myself reading it like a novel. You know, I'd find a reference to a story and I'd look at a story and think, okay, I've heard that. You know, I heard that in Sunday school or I heard that. I know that story. I didn't know that story. I didn't know how that story applied to me. And one of the very first things that I experienced at the academy was to have a lady go up and give a lecture on how to read the Bible and take it personally. And that made a whole lot of difference. It's a lot of difference in terms of sitting down and reading the letters in the New Testament and read them as a letter that you just got in the mail. And that there is a personal word or lesson in this in this letter for you. And it's also a way of putting you in some of the experiences uh, that went on. And, you know, history repeats itself. I believe that. And 
I think in some respects, so does our spiritual life repeat itself. But sometimes if you don't make it personal, if you don't, if you don't own it, then you don't have it in a lot of respects. So let's say someone is hearing this and is interested in changing the way they read their Bible, just, just kind of the, the ache that you seem to have at that time. What, how would you, what, what a bit of advice or maybe what are two or three steps that someone that you could advise someone to take to begin entering in a reading of scripture that is different than what they're getting by just, you know, I've heard that story or it's dry or whatever. How, what would you suggest? Again, I think you just, you have to make it personal. You have to read it. You have to put yourself in the experience. The first thing, one of the first examples that we were given was to put yourself at the Red Sea. And you're a mother and you've got your children around you and you know, you know, here come the Egyptians behind you and you're stuck. And what's going to happen, not only to you, but you've got children and you want to see them saved and whatever. And then all of a sudden the sea opens up and you have your escape. And then, so, you know, if you put yourself in that, what that's got to feel like to be trapped. And not only you personally, but your children, your friends, your, you know, how can you escape something that's, you know, frightening? And then to have a change and to see again an answer. More so, recently, I would, went through this same thing and had the experience of having the thought of having gone through the Red Sea and gotten on the other side and all of a sudden realized I'm no longer in captivity. I'm free. And the things that have kept me down, knocked me down, you know, are behind me. They're gone. Not only are they behind me, they're gone. And so that whole new feeling of freedom and what that really meant. It was a nice feeling that day. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like it's changing a, a perspective of reading about somebody yeah. else's experience and yeah. even someone else's ancient, you know, an ancient someone's experience something so long ago to uh, reading about what's happening to me at the, in the moment. And that draws out a perspective like that, an unexpected experience or feeling of being part of the story. Right. Uh, another prayer that you and I have talked a lot about is uh, centering prayer. What makes Tell us about Centering Prayer. What is it? And what makes it something that's really close to your heart? 
Well, it's the same thing that I found in this book, and that was it's a way of one taking breath prayer and also using like the Vena because the purpose of centering prayer is to read a scripture and read it to find out how it's what what's in that scripture for you personally but it's also a way of listening listening to god through the breath that you know because you practice uh, you have examples of practicing breathing in god and exhaling or breathing out whatever problem you may be having some emphasis uh, you may take in breathe in god is a physician and breathe out your pain for the day how long how long do you spend doing that well this little book says spend 20 minutes and that's you know, that can be a fair amount of time. Sometimes it's easy to spend 20, 30 minutes or more. I don't know that there's a time limit. There are other times when you get into things that um, you're not going to have the same experience every day. You don't experience prayer the same way every day. So it, this is just kind of a suggested time. You know, sometimes just thinking of how hard it is to spend two minutes in silence is, can be a, a real challenge. What's the, you've referred to the book here. What's the name of that book? Sacred Breath, 40 Days of Centering Prayer. Do you have a, a time of day that you enter into, you know, that you put, that you intentionally practice this, or is it something that you have just whenever? Well, my primary time is early morning. And I spend, when I sit down with my first cup of coffee and I and start with my reading, I have some little, devotional books that I use for for keys and um, sometimes too in, in just the time there may be things going on in my life in terms of knowing that, that people are you know I'm being also being one of the chaplains from Singing Oaks and keep knowing that there are people who need a lot of prayer and and so I catch myself with a long prayer list sometimes and so I use that time to pray to use it for intercessory prayer as well yeah you and I have talked about that uh before I struggle with you know I've talked to you about my struggle with it be intercessory prayer being a burden and you've really helped me uh, think about that differently. Uh, 
of using centering prayer as a way of doing intercessory prayer. Uh, how would what what does that look like, and how would uh, this, this you know I know that people do intercessory prayer all the time, but how mixed with centering prayer, what does that look like? Well, again, I think it's a matter that uh, how you relate to people. Um, you know, when you get to be as old as I am, you can relate to all kinds of illnesses and aches and pains and so on and so forth. So again, it's easier to make it more personal. And I think the other thing is I've learned it's not just that you're praying for the person that may be having a health issue, but their family, everybody is. And so it becomes an extension in terms of the intercessory because you know that there are other people that are being involved by what's going on. Uh, so it, it just helps to expand the whole meaning of what you're doing. Did that answer your question? Yeah, I you've talked about, I mean, Bible reading and intercessor prayer as it, the way they mix is it becomes personal in there. There's a personal connection in that, uh, and that's I think that's really interesting. You don't always think about it in terms of of that, but it's a uh, instead of a, a to do list, there's something that's way different about it being personal i think that's really helpful well again jesus is my friend and he's been you know i, I hate in some respects i don't like using this and yet i have to stop and think that during a time when i was growing up and having to spend be bedridden virtually so much of my time that Jesus became my, uh, what was the rabbit, you know. The velveteen the, rabbit? The velveteen rabbit that, you know, was with me all the time. Mm. And there was a lot going on in my family that uh, was, gave me a lot of concern. And if I hadn't had somebody to talk to, I you know, I'm where I'd be. I'd so like to ask Jackie about, great, you know, it's a personal relationship. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I really appreciate what you're sharing because, and I, I want to try to connect this to how, how we can become more prayerful in in our churches this has been a struggle for me uh some of the churches that i've worked with have, have they have struggled to become more prayerful and i think in some ways have actually resisted that and i've got my own thinking on, on why that might be the case but how what are some ways that you have found helpful to help both individuals and maybe classes or groups of people become more prayerful in, in church? Well, I don't, I don't think it's something you can do alone. I think you have to find maybe a core group 
I know that at one point there was about three or four of us that used to, excuse me, used to meet with our pulpit minister at that time, right before he went in to preach. And we listened to kind of what his concern was for his own sermon that day. And then we could sit there as a group and pray for him. And that connectivity, again, is was so valuable. And it brought us together as a group. And then out of that, I think there were times when we were able to share and uh, and again, we were blessed for the fact that the minister at time would often make a comment from the pulpit when he got there that if it hadn't have been for the prayer that he got that morning, he wouldn't be able to make such and such a point. So it was again a way of seeing that prayer is practical. Um, sometimes you just have to, uh, this summer, I used an experience with summer because we had the largest number of people going on mission trips. We had a lot of people who were sick. So we had, uh, I developed a thing of just asking people to sign up to pray. And we prayed for our ministries, our members, and our missions. And each week, then, I got names and email and sent out prayer requests that covered those three areas. And I've got a saying right now that you can have prayer without church, but you can't have a church without prayer. And by the same token, there's got to be leadership. There's got to be somebody who cares enough, not only for what their own prayer life is, but they are willing to share it. Um, I can remember years ago, we used to have 24-hour prayer chains. 12 hour prayer change and have people who signed up and came to church. We don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's one of the things where we've had this opportunity, we've lost a lot um, during the pandemic. And I think we're still struggling to even get back on a spiritual basis in a lot of respects. Mm -hmm. So, Jackie, uh, if a person wanted to, to try to take this, this kind of leadership on and, and begin to look for people that would join a core team for them, what, are, what kinds of things would they look for? I'm not sure I understand what kinds of things. Do, like what kinds of, like what, what kinds of people would they look for? What kinds of character traits? Sometimes because, you just have to, you know, you just. There are people out there who are, want to pray just as much and pray just, and they do have a prayer life. You just got to say, hey, uh, nothing more. 
come put your name down on a piece of paper that that you want to participate in in prayer. Um, or you, we started having uh, the first Wednesday of the month at church of having 30 minutes before the Wednesday night classes start of people having an opportunity to come together to pray. And the group is growing. Um, sometimes it's a, a real structured time of prayer and other times it just kind of goes its way. Um, but that's okay. Um, if you don't make the opportunity, it doesn't happen. You know, if you don't open the doors to the church, people are not going to come in. They're not going to get in. Um, and I've seen a lot of people that have come to the doors at certain hours of the day and the door was locked and they went away. And I think that's kind of where we are again in terms of having opportunity. Um, I, I don't think it's a matter of, I think there are plenty of people who believe in the power of prayer that will come together if you give them an opportunity to do so. Yeah, but if you yeah. don't have, if you don't have anything out there, it's not going to happen. I really like what I hear you saying there that a church has to be proactive right. in providing opportunities for people to come together and, and pray. And then I, I suppose out of that, the folks that are that are really excited about praying together will find other ways to to get together to pray. But the church has to begin with a commitment to being proactive. Right. To gather in that way. So uh, I have one other question that uh, I've something I've noticed and and kind of I just noticed, but I've talked about it more recently and trying to figure out how to uh, approach it. We li we live in a very busy a culture of busyness. We're uh, we have lots of things to do. Um, one of the reasons why church attendance is down is not necessarily because there's less members, but that people come less frequently. Uh, and, uh, you know, where your regulars who used to come three to four times a month, now they're, you know, two to three times a month. Or, and people who consider themselves very active still maybe attend once a month or uh, something like that. But, uh, the culture of busyness is not really going to go away and we can sit here and judge it and condemn it and say that, but we all participate in various ways. Just this is the way it's happened. How do you see uh, centering prayer and even Lectio Divina as exercises that help us slow down that busyness, that sense of hurry, uh, an overbooked schedule? Well, I think things have to become a habit. 
you know what's the hardest thing to break is a habit. But if you develop a habit, then you know that makes kind of makes a difference. And I think that's part of what pandemic did. It broke our habits. Mm. <laughs> and uh, by the same token, it changed our habits too. This thing of you know going to church on your television or your computer or whatever sure made it a whole lot easier. I always said, you know, if they ever open up church and I could go in my pajamas, that'd be great. <laughs> we, you know, I'm sorry, but we've, we've become very lazy. We've become lazy in our attitudes, in our dress, in our, for me, that's, you know, my, I think what I see is it, we, we got out of the habit of what we were doing before, and no one's given us reason, necessarily enough reason, to develop a new habit. Um, you know, when it's kind of like living with this idol. You know, and when you when you've got all this stuff that's on it, you spend as much time scrolling through it. You're not really taking in. I think again, it's a matter that we may hear about God, but we're not listening enough to know. Uh, it's. Again, it's kind of in this ear and right out here, or it's we're we're just so used to scrolling, and that's the way we go through life. And we don't stop until we get stopped. You know, you keep the car rolling until you run into the tree, and then you know, there's always got to be that thing that kind of pulls us up one day and says, "Hey, wait a minute." Wait a minute. That's a long time to wait. I that's uh, a good a good practice. Um, I know that I've tried to do a bit when I find myself caught up in uh, just going to you know a, a full schedule and feeling busy. Is I hadn't really thought about it in terms of wait a minute, but finding some way even in the midst of busyness to stop and, and rather than going directly to my phone uh, to fill the time, but to just sit in silence either uh, and paying attention uh, to the moment in a different way. And I know that's been helpful to me to, to try to not make the, uh, the phone a, uh, a habitual grab to pick up and to go to something just to leave it in my pocket uh, and let it let it sit there um, and soak in something else uh, so I think that's really really helpful so yeah, I appreciate thing that I've done recently is I took Facebook off my phone <laughs> I did I did the same thing uh, it's you know at first I put it on a screen that was further back 
a menu screen that's further back. And then ultimately I just, you know, it's not even there. It's, I there's I cannot go to it. And if I, all I have is my phone and I, I found, uh, I found my time better spent maybe with apps that, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, there's what you do with your phone, it can be a positive experience. And so, uh, spend the time on apps that draw things out or help you with that, with your, uh, reading or praying and things like that. But yeah, uh, man, that's, I don't have a prayer app. I haven't seen one. Maybe we need to make one. Well, I'll, I'll make a recommendation for one uh, right now. Uh, and that is an app called Lectio 365. <laughs> and it's a, it's a, it's an app that, that has a, provides a devotional in the morning, a, a prayer devotional in the morning and in the evening as a way of praying through the devotional. And I use that uh, uh, probably five to six days a week uh, on a regular basis. So uh, Lectio 365 is the the name of it. And uh, I found that app very helpful to me. Jeremy, I'd like to go back to comment or question you had about how to get prayer going in church. I think Mm -hmm. part of the things is, we don't use, my opinion, we don't use prayer to worship. More often than not, when you look at where and how prayer occurs in church, it's in a hurry. And if we don't stop and take that minute, you know, even we'll never convince people that it's a valuable time them. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. And I, I really resonate with what you shared when prayer is just an activity that we're expected to do kind of out of obligation or as a duty. We, we don't know how to embrace it as a way to worship God. I, I am very thankful that you shared that. I could go on about that for a long time, but I, I'm not I'm not going to uh, right now. Well, again, my definition of prayer, prayer is the reality of God. Mm. That's what makes God real. Mm-hmm. It's like having conversation, you know, like this. Conversation that you can have with your best friend. Well, and I think we forgot that that Christ called us friends. Jackie, that takes me back to the very first, one of the first things you said about your beginning time understanding prayer, that Jesus was your friend. I think that's a good way to to kind of bring the the conversation to a close. And I I really thank you for that uh, at the very end. And just even uh, considering you a good friend of mine and having this conversation and love the phone calls that we have. Um, and talk about uh, prayer and things. Uh, I appreciate your time today and uh, just the things you've got us thinking about. I think you've uh, provided some people with some helpful ways of starting uh, to pray differently. And so I thank you very much for your time. Thank you again for the opportunity. Yes. God bless. 
Thanks for listening to this Discipleship Conversation. We invite you to share this episode and tune in next time for another conversation. We also invite you to subscribe and rate the podcast through your favorite podcast app. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments and questions to media at missionalive.org. Check out the episode show notes and learn more about the podcast and other Mission Alive media resources at missionalive.org media. Intro and outro music is by audionautics.com. Mission Alive works to bring about the holistic transformation of marginalized communities through starting and renewing innovative churches that address the most challenging issues faced by their neighbors. Learn more about what we do and how to connect at missionalive.org.